Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We used to actually see education costing us money rather yeah. than how much it's going to save us in, in time or mistakes and things like that. Now it's different. We see education as, you know, how much it's actually going to make us in the future. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Tak Lee and Hoping Ping Lo, directors of 10 Circle Property in Arkids Luggage to discover the influences that they got them started in the property game, the rookie mistakes they made along the way and more importantly, how they turn it all around and land at 19 properties in their portfolio. Talking to husband and wife, Tak discusses a little bit about the interesting journey. So we sort of started, well, when did we start? Probably back in, I think we bought our first property back in 06. So, and uh, yeah, since then we've sort of like accumulated. Uh, at a stage, I think we've got up to 19 properties. And then, uh, but then we've all, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting journey that we've had. So we've always done things ourselves and um, yeah, I mean, we got ourselves in a bit of a trouble along the way and uh, yeah, and there was a couple of things that we had to do to, to uh, turn things around, which, uh, which we did. Juggling work, family and life in general, Tak Lee describes what he does on a daily basis. I do a lot of like uh, strategic thinking, so how we can grow our business, um, how we can basically become faster, stronger more efficient. I also do a lot of mind feed and uh, a lot of networking and forming relationships. And after that, well, I go and pick up the kids from school, <laughs> take them swimming. You know, as, uh, as I always say, you know, family is always first. And uh, if you're not succeeding at home, um, you're not succeeding in life. Hoping also adds what her everyday routine looks like. For me, generally, I get the kids ready in the morning, take them to childcare and school. Uh, then I'll go for an exercise class. You know, when I come back from uh, exercise, I feel energized and then I'm ready to start the day. Coming from different areas before moving to Australia, they both talk about where they grew up. I'm originally from Malaysia, um, a town from, uh, called Ipo. So my family migrated to Australia about, about 30 years ago now and uh, yeah, been growing up uh, in a suburb called North Bowen in Melbourne. Oh, fantastic. And what about for you, Hoping? Yeah, for me, um, I'm also from Malaysia, but I grew up in a small town in Borneo, so the east part of Malaysia. And I was pretty lucky to be able to have the opportunity to further my studies here in Melbourne. And I have been here since then. Yeah, she met me and now she's stuck. 
Thinking back to the schooling days, Lee tells us where he studied. I uh, sort of, uh, for my primary, I sort of did half-half. So actually, that's sort of giving away my age. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to DD in primary in, in Q. And then yeah, after that in high school, I went to ball and high for two years and spent the last four years of my high school in, um, in Melbourne Grammar. And after that, uh, yeah, did a Bachelor of Germanics Engineering at Melbourne Uni. Similar to him, Lo tells us where she studied as well as both in high school and university. Well, I studied uh, in Malaysia and, and then I had two years uh, in Melbourne, McRobb High School, and then I studied physiotherapy in, at Melbourne Uni. Having studied in completely unrelated fields, Lee takes a moment to explain how he and Lo met. We met at uni, so through mutual friends. So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> as, as you said, completely different field. But I guess, you know, like they say, opposites attract. So I represent uh, Melbourne Uni in, in Babington. So, and it's just so that uh, Ho Ping's brother was a teammate. <laughs> so that's how it all began. <laughs> that's great. Oh, I love it. I'm really enjoying this story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can see at the start, I wasn't too keen, you know. I was visiting him a lot. Not really for him, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Working in the building and infrastructure sector while at university, Lee shares that his property investing journey didn't actually start straight away. I had a couple of jobs when I was at uni as well, just in a couple of final, you know, final years. And so I worked in like door-to-door sales. I was a waiter. I was a delivery guy. And then, yeah, after, after I graduated, I worked um, yeah, as a consultant. Uh, basically on the engineering side and, yeah, worked across major transport infrastructure projects around Victoria. Lo, on the other hand, had a smaller number of various professions. I've only been a physio. I've studied as a physio <laughs> and I worked as a physio. Given that both only later decided to get into property, Lee shares whether or not his parents influenced him to get into the investing world. In terms like... For me, uh, on the property side, it wasn't something that that came to mind. Um, I mean, my dad was in business, and then I had I've got an older brother. He's sort of always traveling, like an expat. So, in my family upbringing, we're we're, we're quite open. So, and in terms of yeah, property, it wasn't something that came to mind. And I actually have to thank Ho Ping. Or bringing the property side of things in, into my life. While this was the case for Lee, Lo explains that investing was something she always heard about when growing up. When I was a kid, you know, I always remember hearing my parents talking about investing. So my parents work very hard and they work long hours, like six to seven days a week. And they always tell us that, you know, when you work, you need to make sure you save. And from the money that you save, then you can start investing. So my parents um, explained to me that, you know, share are very volatile. You know, you can earn a Toyota one day and then uh, the next day you can lose a Mercedes Benz. Like, okay, interesting. And then they also mentioned that uh, you can also invest in property. You need to make sure that, uh, you know, you, you are in there for the long game. So you buy and hold and the property will eventually uh, rise in value. Very wise, very wise. And it seems to ring true. Hmm. It is definitely true. I guess 
I've always been a little bit more risky in the terms of what I do because I, I actually go into shares way before I go into property. Where Lowe's childhood led her to realize the importance of property over other investment vehicles, Lee shares that the opposite was the case for him. On the share side, my, so my, my dad and my brother, they, they do a bit of trading. So I guess that's, that's how I picked it up. And yeah, I was doing a bit of that, you know, when I, actually when, when I was in uni and uh, when I graduated. So yeah, did, did pretty good in that. And I guess for me, when, when I met Ho Ping and then we started talking about the property side and how it's more, more solid, more, you know, you can actually see it and you can control it as opposed to shares where you can only control it to a certain extent. And yeah, that's that's probably my tipping point with regards to when I sort of changed from from uh, trading in, in in shares to uh, to property. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Tack Lee and Hoping Lowe's journey to find out how exactly they got started in property. I saw so many people who have worked so hard all their lives. You know, they save their money for their retirement, and then only to realize that. A few months into their retirement, something drastic happens to their health and that really put things into perspective for me. So since then, I was very motivated to invest as much as I can early on to set myself up for the future. The interesting story behind the where and why of the first property purchase? It was in Templestowe Lower. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I actually bought one with my brother and hoping bought one herself. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Chum and you're listening to Property Investory. Talking more about the beginning of their property journey, Lee and Lo take us back to the moment it all started. Yeah, as I said, we 06 when we first bought, bought our first, uh, first property. And it was hoping that sort of uh, said, you know, we should <laughs> we should get into property. So and then we started looking, and yeah, she can probably fill you in uh, a little bit better on that. Yeah. Okay. So um, how it happened for me, you know, uh, like I mentioned before, I studied physiotherapy. So my first job was working as a physiotherapist in the hospital, and you know, we get to do a few rotations in a year, and like in a Within the first few months of um, being in my job, very quickly I realized that, you know, being in a job isn't the ultimate plan for me. You know, I saw so many people who have worked so hard all their lives, you know, they save their money for their retirement and then only to realize that a few months into their retirement, something drastic happens to their health and that really put things into perspective for me. So since then, I was very motivated to invest as much as I can early on to set myself up for the future. Yeah, and uh, she brought me along uh, along the journey. So, and I have to really thank you for, well, thank, yeah, thank Hoping for that. Fortunately, for realizing this early on in life, Lee talks about the first property purchases they made back in 2006, the journey starting with a springing twist. It was in Templestowe Lower. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I actually bought one with my brother and Hoping bought one herself. Having purchased the property separately, Lee and Lo expanded on the story behind that first investment. Yeah, it was a... Uh, same development. Same development. Um, 
there's 11 townhouses in total. And at that time, um, we could only afford in buying in lower Temperstone. So, yeah. Yeah, we actually had had a look at other properties in like better suburbs, but then we just couldn't stretch ourselves that much. Buying within the same development, Lee shares how they approached the purchase. Yeah, it was not the plan. And I, I guess the way that we approached it is, okay, we're going to buy two from the developer. So we sort of negotiated on um, on that and yeah, got them to throw a few things in that wasn't in the uh, in the plan. Having started with those two separate properties and eventually building the portfolio to staring 19 properties, Lee takes a moment to share with us one of the harder investing moments they faced. I guess we've got a got a few, but if we had to pick one, I'll say the worst would be not fully understanding how like off the plan purchases worked because we did buy a lot off the plan uh, from the start. Uh, and yeah, and all we knew about investing back then was was basically uh, yeah off the plan purchases. And when we asked our accountant, you know, what what to do, and yeah, that was what he told us. And unfortunately, we took his word literally, and never thought about educating ourselves before we started, you know, going on this on this property journey. And I guess for us, that was a big no no. So yeah, as in terms of the worst investing moment, I'll say probably eight years ago, when we were in our accumulation phase. You know, our plan was to buy, 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 buy as much as we could back then. And, you know, our thinking was like, all right, it was great. You know, we only need to put down 10%. We have a couple of years to settle, right, the growth. And then, you know, when we settle, we can refinance. But we didn't really have any exit strategy. And, yeah, I mean, to make the, well, long story short, we needing well, we needed to settle, I think it was seven properties in about a 12-month period. So, yeah. I think it was about, there was a house, there was a townhouse and the rest was probably apartments. And I think it was about, would have been probably about three mil worth of, yeah, property that we had to settle. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we were doing okay, but it was like a brick in the head. So we already had a few properties with mortgages. So it was a real juggling act to manage sort of like what we already had, plus this seven new ones that was going to come on board. Mm. And yeah, and also keeping in mind that, our portfolio back then was all negatively geared. Yep. So that, that hurt as well. Building on this last point, both explain how they sustain a negatively geared portfolio. It has always been negative from day one. Yeah. And so it, it actually slowly accumulated to about almost negative 100K a year. Yeah, I think it got up to, at a certain point, it was about 110 negative. That's so a we whole wage. Yeah. And when, and when the kids... Same. That is really when we started to feel the squeeze. With $110,000 worth of negative gearing to make up for, Lee and Lo explain how exactly they managed to juggle it all. We worked a lot off, I think. So, well, I guess for me, the more properties that uh, we accumulated, the more jobs I had to work. So I ended up having like five jobs at one stage. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I started back into uh, trading in a bit of shares. Yep. <laughs> That, that, yeah, I was lucky in the way that that worked out for me. And we were also importing um, some stuff from, from overseas and, and selling it on, like on eBay back then just to try to make that extra cash. It was only after having kids that they realized they needed to get out of this situation. Yeah, I mean, I guess we had, how would you say, it was a, it was a real wake-up call. 
Yeah, and I mean, when when you start, when you are faced with such a big problem, that is when we decided, oh no, we had to do something. What we're doing now isn't really working anymore. So uh, we had to go out and actually educate ourselves. Yeah, because I mean, what we've been doing, you know, um, as they say, a fool learns from their own mistakes, whereas an expert, a wise man learns from other people's mistakes. So we've decided to, you know, get ourselves educated. And we used to actually see education costing us money rather yeah. than how much it's going to save us in, in time or mistakes and things like that. Yeah, so... Now it's different. We see education as, you know, how much is actually going to make us in the future. Looking on the flip side, Lee takes on another part of their journey, this time talking about the investment moment that really cemented the positive benefits that property could bring. There's two big aha moments for us. The first one was um, you know, when we got into all the um, off-the-plan purchases and we had a lot of townhouses and, and apartments. The first was you know, we need to buy buy more land at property to control land so we can manufacture growth. So from then on, we started buying land at properties so we could manufacture growth through uh, either renovations or development. And yeah, we, we did well with the renos. I mean, we would buy with a, we would say with a longer, we'll try to get a longer settlement, you know, negotiate for access prior to, to the settlement and we'll do auto reno. And when it's time to settle, we'll refinance with the bank. And we sort of got like a one to three return on those. And yeah, we did really well. So that was one aha moment where we stopped buying off the plan properties. And the second one will be, I'll say passive income. So cash flow and not just capital growth. And this is when sort of the, uh, the period where we started getting education and coaching. And yeah, I mean, we have to, well, we, well, we come to realization that the best investment is to, as, as you said, Tyrone, is to invest in yourself. Expanding on the changes they made to turn their portfolio around, Lee explains how they ended up starting a business in property and the steps they took to get to their current position. Back then, we never really looked at property investing as, as a business. Um, you know, initially, well, when we're doing things ourselves, we took the properties we bought as just investments and, and that's it. And um, yeah, the very first thing that we did when we first, when we got the education and the coaching is to do a portfolio analysis and calculate the opportunity costs. And what we did was to treat each of our properties that we had like, like staff, you know, to do a performance review on each and every one of them. And those that are not performing, we basically got rid of them. And those that might not be costing you money, but might be costing you opportunity, you know, opportunities elsewhere. We sort of kept for a little while to see what we could do with them. And yeah, I mean, the best thing sometimes, I guess, when we got down to it is to cut your losses and, and start rather than holding on. Sometimes it's just better to do that. They also talk about how long this process took for them. Well, I mean, because we did everything ourselves <laughs> at the start. So, you know, bought things in our own name, cross-collateralized. Yeah. And every mistake that investors <laughs> shouldn't make, we made all of them. Yeah, so took it a while. took a, a little mm. bit of time. So I would say about 18 months to two years. Having learned so much, Lo sums up everything they did to change their portfolio. This process, despite taking two years, changed their investing lives for the better. 
you know, like Tech mentioned, like those that weren't doing anything, uh, we sold off. So um, we were catched up to be able to um, look into other properties. So um, at the start, we only looked at, you know, capital growth in the properties. But in fact, you actually need capital growth and cash flow to continually grow the portfolio. So uh, what we actually did to better position ourselves is to uh, get some cash flow coming into our portfolio. Um, so we turned some of our apartments into short-term rental and some apartments with two car parks, we leased the other one out separately. Then we also looked into, um, we bought into a commercial property to give you a bit more cash flow as well. Um, and really uh, continue to invest invest in coaching and education. So, inspired by Tak Lee and Hoping Lowe's journey and their amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll discuss their current strategy. So, the next thing that we're looking at is mainly cash flow. So, we're looking more into the commercial space. The personal habits which have been contributing to their success. I guess... I am quite a risk taker, but then if you take out risk, you take out opportunities. So I'm from from what has made what I believe has made me successful and or us successful is that we do take risk. And from that, yeah, calculated we, risk. Yeah, calculated risk, and that's given it the opportunities that we we have now. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. To jumpstart your week, I'm introducing a new segment called Mindset Monday where our real success in property isn't knowledge and skill, it's 70% psychology and mindset. Every week on Monday after the episode, I'll be sharing a short mindset tip from wealth coach Jill McIntyre. So, let's get started. So, Jill, for the majority of your clients when starting out with you, what would be the biggest stopper for most of them around wanting to grow in property? That's a good question, Tyron, and the biggest stopper for most of my clients would be, I haven't got the money. And if if you're in that thinking, you will never move forward with property. I'm a great one for leveraging the strengths and the worth of other people. And there's so many ways when I came into property, I certainly didn't have any money. And even today, I leverage my strengths and don't put money in many of my deals. So this is where if money is a stopper for you, start to think about how you could reverse that. And there's many, many ways you can bring in joint venture partners. And instantly, if you're in a negative thinking, your mind will be coming up and saying, but how do I know I can trust that person? So I will be giving you tips and hints and things like that as we move forward with these Mindset Mondays that will help you along the way on how to choose the right person. So lack of money, you can do a joint venture with the existing owner. You can, there's many, many ways of which you can do it and all is a step-by-step stage where you are building in confidence to do it. The second stop at Tyrone would be, um, I don't have enough know-how. And so what so many people go and do is do another property course and another property course. Mm. And if you could add up over the years how much money you've spent in property courses or something related, it would be enormous. We need to stop spending more money on know-how and pull our sleeves up and actually go to open houses 
start to be focusing on an area, start to have a planning of attacking in mind and to move forward. And this I can't stress enough because everything is theory that you are reading or listening to in those uh, events that you attend. Everything that you do when you actually make a deal is actually action. Would you agree with me there, Tyron? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the same for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all do it when we don't have confidence. You know, we pull back and we hesitate. The third thing that's a stopper is I don't have the time. If you really want to succeed in property and you see that it's a vehicle for your success to move forward, start to light the fire in your belly. Start to work on, I can do this. It doesn't all happen in five minutes, but little by little by little, if you make inroads and you get the right team and support around you, it'll happen all right and you'll find time that you never thought you had because it excites you to move forward. But the biggest of all of these stoppers is money. So if you've got it listening to this and it's a lack of money, it's time that you might want to do something about it because there is a number of ways that we can move forward. Why? Because I've done it. So thanks. 